0: like, Man, I do love this sport. I want to keep pushing, so I'm gonna do whatever it takes so I can heal, get better, so I can lift at the caliber I want to lift this is where you're at. Meant to be. Like,
1: I know it. I've never my best self is better than every single person who's gonna walk on that platform at night. Gosh, man, that was a was moment to change my life,
0: man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again.
1: journey to a better you starts right now so I think one of the main themes that I see the more I talk to the higher level athletes on the podcast is that you need to be dedicated to get to the next level if you want to compete for Team USA or make the CrossFit Games anything these big grand goals you're gonna have to have a lot of dedication but my guest this week Hunter Harrison also highlights that not everything's a highlight and sometimes you're gonna have to take some big detours and that's okay So just want to point out before we get rolling here that the Substack is launched. I'm coming out with newsletter type articles every Friday. So books I'm reading, uh, podcasts I'm listening to, just kind of things that are going on in my life. I'm just updating there, having a ton of fun writing with that. Then I've also been putting out some clips on YouTube of the podcast. So if you want to see more videos, they're usually between like two and five minutes long. So not super long, but some good stuff from the podcast, trying to put out some more video and uh, just get out that way. So thanks for tuning in and let's shoot it over to the show now. How's the morning been? How's the weather down there?
0: Weather's really nice. I went for a walk this morning with one of my friends and we walked on the beach and it's just, it's beautiful, nice and breezy. It's warming up, so.
1: It's so unfair. Very good morning. It's so yeah. unfair to live it. Um, and you've you've always been in a beach town, right?
0: Yep. Born and raised in New Smyrna. I'm a 12th generation Floridian. So I haven't really lived outside of um, the East coast or the Volusia County area.
1: Do you have any desire? Like, cause so I'm from Pennsylvania and it's super cold here. It's like Mm -hmm. miserable, especially in the winter, but I've always wanted to go somewhere else. And and that's what we're going to do. But I don't know if you live in paradise, do you kind of just, you always have that? Do you want to just stay there all the time?
0: I do want to continue to live here probably for the rest of my life. If opportunity comes up to where I need to move somewhere else that's like landlocked or not on the beach, I would be okay with that because I know I can always come back home. I always felt like California would be like the best of both worlds though, because I do love the beach, but I also love the mountains. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that'd be the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah, I was just in San Diego. It was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I'm going to Long Beach this weekend.
1: Okay, nice. What are you doing there?
0: Um, Another uh, reggae music festival, that same band, um, I saw a couple weeks ago in Arizona. I'm going to go see again with a friend I made in Arizona.
1: Okay, sweet. It's cool, the the festival community, you kind of, you see, it's funny, we were at, um, we were at a grizz festival and like we saw the same we saw the same guy 2 days in a row just in the same spot like we yeah. just kind of like came together and you're like i would never meet you if it wasn't for this but exactly. it just happens
0: yeah and it's a beauty of music that can actually bring people together kind of like how weightlifting does
1: yeah yeah they yeah that's super a good point with uh with weightlifting the community is like yeah, I guess there's there's a decent amount of people in USA weightlifting, but especially when you start going towards the uh, the higher level meets, even like the American Open, you kind of see, especially in your session, like you see the same people and you're lifting lifting together. I'm sh- like, have you seen that with your competitors, where you're kind of always with the same people in your session?
0: Yeah, especially lately, I I'm making new friends and even friends in these national meets that end up living in the same state as me too. So that's super cool.
1: And Florida has a good weightlifting scene. Um, oh yeah. With the Florida state championships, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Have you, uh, when did you start competing in, uh, in Florida specifically?
0: Literally as soon as I started lifting. And so I started lifting eight years ago. Eight, yeah, eight or nine years ago. And um, within a couple months, I signed up for my first weightlifting meet. And I think I was able to make my first state championship that following year.
1: Okay. Is it harder to qualify? Like what's the, what's um the qualifying total? Like, is it comparable to doing American open series or a little bit lower than that?
0: I would say they're either comparable or a little bit higher than the series. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it's not, it's not, not
1: necessary. Okay. Well, I'm th- yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> like, especially if you're into weightlifting specifically, it's those meets are pretty easy to qualify for, but like sometimes you, you forget, um, even we're looking at the qualifying totals. My girlfriend's doing master's nationals. Okay. And for somebody to, to do that is pretty easy if you're doing weightlifting, but if you're not like the totals are kind of hard to hit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. Like I had a nutrition client that her main goal was to qualify for a series and she's like X amount of kilos off, but it's in the grand scheme of things, there are athletes who do struggle to hit those qualifying totals, but then there's also athletes who can literally just go do a local meet, their first one and hit it.
1: Yeah. Or, I mean, people are now are like qualifying for nationals right away.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially the people like who are strong in CrossFit, they just kind of hop in and you're mm-hmm. like, this is, this is not fair. This is this not normal. The the
0: sport right, right off the bat.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so eight years, that's a long time to do, to do one thing. So I'd love to just dive into how you got into weightlifting and what's kept you in the game this long.
0: Yeah, so all throughout high school, I played soccer. Um, so I never really went into a gym. And then by my freshman year of college, I, I got out of soccer and just started to go to the gym with one of my friends. And it was mostly bodybuilding, powerlifting style weight training. And I loved it. I kept wanting to go. I loved that I was getting stronger. I liked like these grown men coming up to me, like, Hey, you're strong for a girl. Like you're moving that weight pretty well. I was like, I love that. So just that continued drive. So I was looking for like somewhere where I can go where there was similar women like me wanting to continue to get strong. And that's when I came across um, back in the, back then it was amp training. They had a gym and my friends were going from high school. So that's when I went in there. I was like, hey, I want to lift with you guys. And then I was introduced into the Olympic sport. And literally ever since then, I've been glued to it.
1: What do you think stops females specifically from wanting to get stronger? Because I don't think that's a, a thing that you hear very often. It's like, I got into this because I wanted to be strong and I enjoyed getting called strong.
0: Well, from my experience within like the nutrition coaching community is – a lot of women are stuck in that old way of thinking of, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to look like um, like a really buff man. So I think just looks is what keeps women from wanting to get stronger because they think strength is going to cause them to look pretty much like someone who's probably on steroids or like a bodybuilder style build.
1: Okay. And that's, I guess that kind of got, Popularized with CrossFit, the when you start seeing the people at the games, especially the yeah. females, just carry so much muscle. They do, but that's that's not going to happen to ninety nine percent of the population.
0: No, because they work for that, and who knows if they're even trying to even look like that? Maybe their body's just ending up that way, mm-hmm. which is also the beauty of fitness. Like you don't really know how your body's going to turn out; it just ends up at the end of the day looking like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you kind of just I mean that's like the price of admission to get there. You see all the girls mm-hmm. at the games have these huge shoulders and mm-hmm. you know cut up abs and stuff. I I mean I think it looks great. Like I yeah, I don't I agree. <laughs> they don't look like men at all to me.
0: No, I think they look great. I mean and I also think it's changing the way women look at strength training too which is really cool to see. So I'm seeing more and more people like, um, Danielle Spiegel, more people are like, Oh, she likes to eat. She wears the clothing girls, like girls who eat. So I want to be like that. So more girls are seeing that. And they're, they're wanting to emulate that, which is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Cause she's not your typical looking female.
1: Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a really good point. So, so you get into weightlifting, you want to be strong. Mm-hmm. Um, are you strong right away? Like how long did it take you to, to where you felt like you started getting competent in the lifts and getting better?
0: I mean, I feel like when I go into things, I go in like head on, like all in, like I want to, I work better off of goals, like having a goal in mind. So wanting to compete was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So no, I did start off like right off the bat strong because I've never really did lifting except for like the bodybuilding style before I got into Olympic, but I came in with a good basis, I would say. So, um, technique was definitely the hardest for me to master, but once I got it, then that's when I noticed the weight started going up.
1: Mm-hmm. How long do you think it it took to develop that technique? Um, current
0: presently (laughs) yeah yeah,
1: eight years however long yeah yeah
0: even with snatch like clean and jerk I picked up pretty well I think it took me I want to say jerks finally clicked maybe four years ago for me okay and I'm still battling snatch technically but it's getting better
1: I think that's good to hear though that like technique is a is something that you always have to work on. It's never something that you're going to be like, okay, I'm done with technique. Now I just got to get stronger. Now I just got to do something else. You're, you're always kind of working through that.
0: Yeah. It's a constant challenge, but I think that's the beauty of weightlifting is you're constantly being challenged. And I think that's what keeps me going. And I think that's what keeps a lot of people going is they like that continued challenge.
1: So I saw that you've competed a bunch. You've Mm -hmm. done competitions, basically your whole career is... Like what, what about competition makes you want to keep doing that? Like, cause you can keep doing these meets and you can do three or four a year. It's tough on your body, but like right. you've seen to, to stay steady with just competing as much as you can.
0: They're fun. It's like with, it's like with anything, you're not going to get better at something unless you just keep doing it. So it's like practice, it's like scrimmages and like soccer or something. You're not gonna get better or more comfortable at an event unless you just keep practicing it. But it also helps that they're fun. And with Florida being a huge weightlifting state, they go above and beyond for even the local meets. Like I've gotten pretty awesome goodie bags just for competing in a local weightlifting meet. So I think just them being fun and being surrounded by your weightlifting friends and just that opportunity to get better is what makes that constant competing that fun or wanting me to keep doing it.
1: What's changed with your focus? Maybe say, think back to your first or second meet. What do you think you you do differently now?
0: Um, I'm definitely a more mature lifter, but also back in like my first couple meets, I had no idea how to count in kilos. It was It was like French to me, so um, I always relied on my coach at those beginning of the meets to just trust him to put what's on the bar and then I'm just going to go try to lift it. But now over time with my experience, now my focus is more on let's just try to get some white lights. Let's try to get some numbers on the board, get some lifts on the board and try to be as make me more efficient as possible. So that's been the main focus is getting more lifts on the board and increasing, slowly increasing my total.
1: Do you think, like, do you see with your competitors that maybe people try to go a little bit too fast to where they're always trying to max out at every meet and trying to, you know, cause I see a lot of people who might go two or three for six. Mm-hmm. And I mean, missing lifts on the platform is, it, it, you it's not ideal like you don't want to do no. that i think ideally you would want to go 6 for 6 even if you have more in the tank i think there's this misconception that people think like every meet needs to be better than the last one and i'm sure you can speak to this a little bit because you haven't necessarily hit your highest total at your last meet so like kind of being okay with with going backwards a little bit to make sure you're hitting lifts on the platform
0: yeah definitely i think a lot of people get lost in that need of wanting to, like, I need to get better every meet. I need to hit a higher total every meet. Um, and then they end up lifting with more of their ego. And I think that's when you tend to see more people fail on the platform. But I also think really honing in and like communicating with your coach, communicating with yourself, like what are you actually trying to achieve in within this competition? And really honing in on that and understanding, like, okay, this is what I need to do. This is how I'm going to get there. And trying to go balls to the wall is not going to get me there.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talked last week with the uh, NRS total. They, I'd love to kind of hear you break that down a little bit further because I'm not too familiar with it. And I'm sure our listeners aren't necessarily hip to everything that goes on, but there's kind of a certain total that you need to hit from what I understand and Mm -hmm. to keep your international placement.
0: Yeah. So, so, um, I'm sorry if I butcher that. (laughs) Um, I'm going off of, from what I understand, like my own summarization of it, but as far as NRS, from my understanding, as far as like trying to stay relevant within the international standings is, USAL has come up with this percentage of possibly placing third at an international meet. So you would have to either hit that total of that percentage or more to enhance your chances of qualifying and being selected for that international competition.
1: So you can't go to a meet and just say, you know, I want to go six for six, uh, I'll you know, take a down meet, I'll train through it. Like you have to hit a certain total or you'll lose that placement.
0: Yeah. You have to hit that total or above. Okay. So for instance, um, I haven't competed yet this year and I was going to compete in March at the Arnold for, to continue to increase my international standings for one of those lower level international meets. But because I feel like my body's not ready to compete at that level yet this year because of these um, injuries I've been dealing with, I s- decided to take a step back because I knew I wasn't going to be able to perform to hit what I needed for this year to continue my international standings.
1: Is that stressful, knowing, like going to a meet, knowing that, hey, if you, if you have a rough couple lifts, like, you're basically losing that spot?
0: It can be very stressful, especially for these higher level athletes that we're seeing that are fighting for the world and Pan Am spots. If they don't have a good meet and they're expected to perform a certain way, that's their their position on that team is literally riding on the line.
1: Mm -hmm. Have you I don't know if I asked you this last week when we talked, have you watched the final attempt that Barbell Stories put out?
0: I've seen a blips of it on Instagram, but I haven't actually like sat down to watch the clips completely.
1: I recommend anybody who's into weightlifting, you're going to get a lot out of it, but it's just, it's so crazy seeing, especially like the 49s, um, Haley and Jordan, Mm -hmm. basically every meet, they're back and forth one kilo, like Mm -hmm. one person's winning by one kilo, one person's down and. The Olympic qualifier, like you can train all the way up to the Olympics, think you have your spot, and then the last meet at the last second, you can lose that just by somebody beating you by one kilo. Yeah. E- even if they're like, they can still be in the top five in the world, but if they're behind their teammate, they lose that spot, which mm-hmm. is crazy to me. That's got to be even, so, so stressful.
0: Yeah. And even look at uh, Danielle's coming up now. She made, uh, I believe, the Pan Am team. And so she's creeping up on Taylor.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: the 59s is gonna be a spot to look out for too.
1: Yeah, and it's not even it might not even be people in your weight class at the moment that you have to worry about. Like Danielle yeah. had to cut down to do that. Yeah. So it might have not even been been on anybody's radar that she was gonna do this and then all of a sudden she shows up and it's like, oh shit, you lost your spot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild, but it's it's really cool to see that literally anybody, if they put their heart into it and do absolutely whatever it takes, they can achieve what they want to achieve.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, like you kind of, I think weightlifting is a very individual sport where you're only going to be like your genetics and your training and how long you can say injury free. There's only so much that you can do and that's in your control.
0: Exactly. Yes. And you have to be able to sit down and listen to your body like, okay, what do I need right now in this moment? What's going to help me continue to lift for however long I want to lift.
1: And you've been dealing with some injuries?
0: I've been dealing with a minor injury, aggravation in my low back, and it's actually caused, forced me, or not forced me, but I decided to take a step back from lifting to focus on the rehab, the recovery, so I could potentially get back on the platform and lift comfortably.
1: So what do you do specifically when when you're talking about taking a step back? What does that look like? Are you not touching a barbell at all?
0: Um, So I communicated with my coach. I told him I wanted to not stick to a actual program. I'm going to go based off of feel. So like this week, I maybe touched the bar once and did three workout, three exercises, and then called it a called it a night. Um, And then um, as far as the recovery part, I'm working with a new physical therapist I found in the area. So working on going, seeing him getting the treatment I need, that's going to help. And then working on the stretches and such that he suggests at home.
1: And one of the things that, that fascinates me, like we're talking about kind of Jordan and Haley and Danielle and all these top level lifters, but there's, there's this tier right below that who aren't full-time weightlifters. They're not doing it to get a paycheck necessarily, but you got to put a ton of work into it to, to even maintain that level. And that's what I think is really impressive about, especially the girls. I think the girls in USA weightlifting, I think This might be controversial, but I think they're more impressive than the guys to like, (laughs) if you see the totals and you see how many strong females there are, it's just super Mm -hmm. impressive.
0: Yeah. It's really cool to seeing the women's side of this sport really grow and what, what can actually be achieved by them too.
1: I mean, what have you seen specifically, like being in the sport for eight years, what's changed (laughs) to where you think the level of competition has continued to just rise?
0: I think from what I've experienced, more girls are more comfortable with going up a weight class so that they can get stronger and be more competitive. And so seeing that is really cool. And then, um, just the amount of women who are wanting to join this sport. Like I work, I helped volunteer at the local, um, at my, uh, alum, um, alma mater at the high school in New Smyrna and, we had a, we had a pretty good size women's um, weightlifting team for the high school and seeing how dedicated they were coming in every day to want to train and get better is really cool. And they were all fine with like staying within their weight class or even going up to be more competitive so that they could possibly win and then win as a team as well.
1: And I guess that's why Florida weightlifting too, they have a high school program. I don't think that's very common throughout the United States.
0: No, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I want to say Florida,
1: maybe Texas. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. I'm not too familiar with other states and their high school programs. That's cool though.
1: That's really cool to, to give people an opportunity because I think, you know, a lot of people grow up and you, you play the team sports, but they're definitely not for everybody. Like if you didn't want to play a team sport, you kind of got into skateboarding or, you got into smoking cigarettes outside of seven eleven, but that was kind of the only two options that you could have if you didn't fit on fit in on a team and not necessarily everyone's gonna do that.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the more people and obviously like CrossFit the way that kids and teens are getting involved in it, I think it's only gonna keep growing. So hopefully oh, 100%. that kind of trickles trickles into weightlifting.
0: Yes. And I, I liked the way um, you saw has been growing the sport too and like reaching out to like having the high school showdown, throwdown, whatever that is, like reaching out to high schoolers, like, hey, come try weightlifting. You might be really good at it. So I thought that was really cool to see because there are all high schools that offer weightlifting as a sport. So just trying to find athletes around the world is really cool through that.
1: Yeah, it's always – I mean, it's tough for people who got into it a little bit later because you're like jealous that you didn't get into it early enough.
0: Yeah. I always ask myself that question, like, where would I be right now if I did weightlifting in high school? Would I still be in it? Would I be stronger? Would I be hurt? But but imagine if you did
1: it in elementary school. That's the crazy part. Like in China and Germany and Russia and stuff, they're doing this basically from seven or eight years old.
0: Right out the womb.
1: Yeah, but who knows? Like, maybe you did weightlifting in high school and you got burnt out, and like you wanted to do something yeah. else. Mm-hmm. Have you had Have you had any experience with burnout or taken any long breaks? I know like injuries are kind of force breaks, but mm-hmm. have you ever, you know, lost touch with the sport or lost your passion for it at all?
0: There were maybe two instances throughout the, my eight year career in this that I actually took maybe a five to eight month break and it was like for personal reasons and such but yeah I just it's this sport can be so like routine everything has to be the same um, you have to sacrifice so much sometimes in order to continue to compete in this sport that you end up lose losing interest in other things or having to put other things on the back burner. So, yeah.
1: What were the things that you f- felt like you needed to sacrifice?
0: Um, so as far as sacrifice, I, I I grew up surfing and when I started working out, out and getting to weightlifting, I kind of had to stop surfing because I would have to go be in the gym and train instead of going being out in the water. Um, a lot of time with friends, and just like, hey, I can't hang out this weekend. I have to go to bed early on Friday night because I have a big day on Saturday. So uh, some relationships, some social aspects of my life, and then um, some other like extracurricular activities that I've enjoyed over time.
1: Do you do anything outside of the sport to just kind of keep yourself healthy and like have fun? Do you ever hop into a CrossFit class or go for a run or anything like that, or is it just kind of focus on weightlifting all the time?
0: So I do like daily walks, um, just as far as like for health and longevity and as like my me time. And that's when I listen to podcasts and such. And, um, I've done yoga. I, I liked doing yoga. I'll surf when I have time and when the water's warm, cause I don't like cold water. <laughs> and, um, like my husband and I, we enjoy speed boats. So we'll go on boat runs all the time, um, other than that, if I'm not in the gym, I'm at home being lazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of like to, to point that out to people, just like the the amount of dedication to get, even, even to get to that, like, under tier where, I mean, if you want to do it, like... Olympic level, it's basically going to be your full-time thing. You can't do anything else. But if you want to even make that national level or that AO final, like you have to make a good amount of sacrifices and you have to, Mm -hmm. your life has to be really aligned to optimize your performance in weightlifting.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two years ago, um, I talked with my husband and we decided that we could afford to have me quit my full-time job so I could focus more time on lifting because I was getting to the point where I was getting strong enough to make these national national meets and then stepping into that international realm as well. So that's when we decided like, Hey, you can dedicate your time to this. We'll be fine. And let's just see where you go from there. And I'm glad I had that opportunity. And I'm so grateful for my husband and his support in allowing me to do that.
1: Wow, that's really cool. What did you do full-time?
0: Um, so before I stopped working full-time, I was a surgical consultant for a ophthalmologist, and okay. I scheduled uh, cataract surgeries and LASIK surgeries.
1: Okay. So, I mean, talk about, like, you kind of – when you do that and you're dedicating more of your time, mm-hmm. is it tough if you have an injury or you have periods where you can't train when, like, hey – you know, I kinda I put everything on the back burner for this and then now I can't necessarily do what I need to do.
0: Yeah. So it it is difficult, especially when there's times when like my husband has like a last minute thing come up. He's like, Hey, we need to go out of town, or we have a boat run coming up and he'd have to tell me till last minute. And I'm like, uh, I can't go. I gotta train. So it can be frustrating and kind of gives you FOMO because you feel like you're missing out on life. But in the grand scheme of things, when I have a goal of wanting to continue to compete nationally and can try to get on the podium and then want to compete internationally for Team USA, everything else seems so much smaller because that's just, it's bigger to you.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you have an end goal to where you would look back and say, my weightlifting career was a success?
0: As of right now, my end goal is I just want to get back to lifting and be able to lift as long as I can while I'm healthy enough to. Um, ideally, I would like to continue to make international teams and in possibly even even if I could see my name on that qualification list for a World or Pan Am team, that would be an accomplishment in itself. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, I think those are good goals to have especially when it's like not necessarily just a a total like if if you're kind of just saying like oh I want to hit you know say for you you wanted to hit 220 and that's like your lifetime goal well if you don't do that then you feel like your entire career is a failure but if you do do that you're probably going to be like well what now or like I want to get better Mm Mhm. So I think I'm always interested in, in kind of hearing people's mindsets and, and like why they're, why they're doing this. Cause I, I mean, there's so many easier things that you could do than put all your time into weightlifting.
0: Yep. I agree. No, I, I love this sport and not being able to do it right now. Like I want to, um, definitely has put it into perspective because I have limboed with, okay, like. Do I even want to continue to lift because I feel like every time I lift, I'm going to be in pain and that's not fun. So that makes training not fun. But then when I do have those moments where I do feel good lifting and I'm able to get my snatches in and at a, at a decently good weight too, it's like, man, I do love this sport. I want to keep pushing. So I'm going to do whatever it takes so I can heal, get better. So I can lift at the caliber I want to lift at.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it essentially comes down to time. Like if you're willing to put in mm-hmm. the time to do all your PT. I mean, I was at a point too, where I didn't want to do that anymore. And I was like, I don't want to dedicate the time to this, to where, you know, you have to, um, Jim Rudder, I don't know if you know, Philadelphia Barbell mm-hmm. Club. Yeah. He has a, he has a really good chart that, I don't know if it's on Instagram, but, uh, basically it lays out what you need to do to compete at a local level um be competitive nationally be competitive um internationally and like elite and it basically says how many times a week you need to train how many times you need to do mobility how many times you need to be in check with sleep and nutrition Mm -hmm. and the obviously the higher level that you get up you have to be on point six to seven days a week Mm -hmm. with your nutrition. If you want to be an elite weightlifter, if you want to, you know, you're going to have to do strength work five or six days a week. You're going to have to do technique work five or six days a week. Like those things keep, keep adding up. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's fine if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to dedicate that amount of time, but just to know that you're, you're not going to be able to, to get to that level or very few people are like genetically gifted enough to just train two or three days a week and be successful
0: mm-hmm. yeah but everybody is different like I know a couple elite lifters who do only train four days a week but I also do know a couple lifters who are at that elite level also that train five six days a week twice a day I've tried two a days it is tough I don't know how they do it
1: were you doing snatching and clean and jerk twice a day or were you doing like breaking up your strength work or how did that, how did that look? Um, I
0: think how we did it. Cause it was leading up to finals uh, of 2021. Yeah. 2021 I did two a days and I believe I did beginning of the day was like the technique, like the actual lifts. And then when I came back, I was doing like the, the, the strength work, like the squats, the pulls, and the accessory stuff.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's kind of tough. Like, I mean, I even see like sometimes Cal Strength, they're lifting twice a day, like doing, they'll snatch twice a day, like do powers mm-hmm. in the morning and then do um, some sort of other technique during the afternoon mm-hmm. or night. That's got to be, that's got to be rough on the body.
0: Yeah. And, but those, ath- typically their athletes are, set up to where they can they have the time to do that they're um they have that good amount of time in between those two sessions where they can rest and get enough recovery to be able to continue to perform that many times a day
1: yeah and i guess what you don't see is like the amount of stretching and mobility work and mm-hmm. this stuff that they're doing in the kitchen you just see the two-a-day training and you're like yeah
0: the, the food they're eating how much sleep they're getting but those are kind of things people don't leave out because they're kind of boring
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you see that working with nutrition clients too. Like a, a lot of times the boring stuff is what leads to the results. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. All the little minute little habits, like go walk, get your 10,000 steps a day, drink a gallon of water at least. Like the little minute stuff is what adds up to the the successes.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think, like what what little things do you do? these? Be- I gu- I'm guessing you drink a gallon of water a day and get your 10,000 steps, but like what, what yeah. tiny little habits do you feel like you need to do?
0: So with my coach, what we've been working on is making sure I'm eating up close to 300 to 400 grams of vegetables a day. And then, um, making sure I'm getting oh, at least eight hours of sleep a night because sleep has not always been easy for me, but it's getting better <laughs> with, with my practice. Um, but yeah, walking, drinking a gallon of water a day and just making sure I'm eating as much food as I can for whatever my body weight goal is.
1: And you've, you've fluctuated a little bit. Like I know you've competed in multiple weight classes, so. Yes. So is that intentional that like you want to keep getting stronger? And I know we kind of talked about it in the beginning, but like being okay with gaining a little bit of weight, mm-hmm. but with that comes a lot of strength too.
0: Yes. I saw the my total sub, substantially go up when I decided to um, go up to 71 from 64. And prior to that, I lifted for a year at 59. So going from 59 to 64 and then going to 71 definitely helped my total because I was able to put on more mass. I worked with a nutrition coach to make sure I was Gaining in a way where I wasn't going to put on too much body fat. So I was getting enough muscle, but a little bit of body fat, cause that will happen when you gain weight, but so it would enhance my lifting. So it was really, really cool to see. And, um, especially seeing it in the total as well. And that's what helped me get to the level I was able to compete at, at all of, um, 2022.
1: So how do you do that slowly? Like how? Because I think some people have this misconception that, like, you move up a weight class. So, say you're moving from 64 to 71, you want to move from sixty, weighing 64 to weighing 71 as fast as possible. But if you do that, the the strength might go up a little bit, but you're not necessarily you're going to have different leverages and things are going to feel different if you're just gaining seven kilos in you know a month or two.
0: And it's pretty wild how putting on weight can change your like the way your body moves too in space. Mm. So you have to be careful with that too. Cause I've noticed when, when I would sit above 71, like above 71, like 72 ish, I felt slow. I just, I did not feel as connected to the bar. I just did not like the way I felt or moved when it came to sitting a little bit higher. So I always like to sit a little bit lower, like in this, like lower 70s like maybe tipping over to that 71 range, but that's where I felt like I felt best lifting wise. So yeah, to slowly work into that, you would work. Ideally, you'd want to work with a coach on that. You would start at maintenance of where you were and then working with them. You would just slowly add in calories, maybe 50 to hundred calories, maybe per week, per month, depending on how your body adjusted to the increased calorie intake. And you're looking at all the other factors like um, measurements, like earth measurements and such and um, where your body fat percentage is.
1: Do you feel like your kind of long-term outlook comes from coaches you worked with or is that something that you've taken upon yourself to not necessarily, because you can easily like fluctuate weight classes, You can. there's a lot of things that you can manipulate to be more more competitive now. And I think that's a mistake that people make is like, oh, I'll just go down a weight class or I'll go up a weight class. And kind of everybody's looking at success now, but have you intentionally placed a focus on seeing where you can get long-term instead of right now?
0: Definitely, especially within those these last couple of months of having to take a step back from the sport. I've I've thought about where I would like to be in like five, 10 years with this sport. And it's really helped put into perspective that, okay, yeah, I might not be able to be at as elite as I want to right now, but I have that chance as I age and as I continue to mature in this sport. So it's great that you can be a master's now and compete nationally, internationally. So that's like a cool goal to look at. So, I don't have to be the best in the world or even in the nation, but I can be the best at what I can do and continue to get better and feel stronger and just be overall healthy. Cause I think health and longevity is way more important than, okay, I can lift, I could put 300 pounds over my head right now.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, I want to have function in my hands, in my wrist, and, like, not have traumatic back injuries when I'm 40, like, to do this right now. Mm -hmm. I don't, that's always, like, been something that I've kind of thought about. Yeah. You know, you you get an injury, and it's frustrating, and you can't do what you want to do, but, like, do you want to ignore that and keep pushing, or do you want to look at, hey, where am I at 10 years from now? Like, am, am I able to do a push up anymore? Like, that's not worth it to me if I can't do that anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm 28 now. And I guess one day down the road, my husband and I would eventually want to have kids. So I want to be healthy enough to be able to like run around with them, whatever sport they decide to take up, like be able to be there 100% for them and support them in that. So it's being here for myself now, doing what I can now to make sure that I have the life I want as I age, as I get older in the future. Mm-hmm. And we've seen what like not taking care of yourself can do. It's a downward spiral. Like I've seen, um, my grandmother passed through to a heart attack because she didn't take care of her health. And so being able to take, take what I've experienced and make sure that I can reverse those effects for myself.
1: Yeah. And weightlifting is not necessarily like, it's, it's obviously good for you and like maintaining, mm-hmm. maintaining strength and muscle mass as you get older is obviously super important. But if you just do weightlifting specifically, you're probably, it's not like the best, you know, like yeah. there's other things that you can probably do for longevity that will will oh, be course. better. Yes. But I mean, you can always do it like as a hobby too. Uh, a lot of the masters, that I know train maybe two or three times a week. And it's like, they're doing other things outside of it. You don't have to, doesn't have to be your full-time thing forever.
0: Right. And they love it.
1: Yeah. Is, is there anything that like keeps you connected? I mean, eight years in the sport, you you said there's been times where you, you f- felt burnt out and mm-hmm. maybe questions why you want to do it, but like what keeps you connected to the sport and want to do this even as you're looking five or 10 years down the road?
0: I guess it kind of gives me a sense of purpose. It gives me something to continue to work towards. So in every, if you look at weightlifting, yes, you can work towards a total, but you can also work towards, Oh, I just want to perfect this lift or I want to get better in this lift. Or, um, I just want to be able to move through these motions And just still be able to do it 10, 20 years from now. So I think just being able to set different goals that mean different things definitely keeps me wanting to keep doing it. Plus it just makes me feel good and I like the routine of it. I'm a very routine person. So being able to stick to a routine just helps me feel like I'm doing something right. I'm moving in the right direction and gives me that sense of purpose.
1: That's one thing I wanted to ask because I know you have like a very distinct pre-lift routine on the platform. Yeah. Um, is that something like by design, or how do you kind of come up with that?
0: I honestly don't know. <laughs> um, people started pointing it out to me when I would be in just in training, and then I started started noticing more on the platform. Um, it just see it's just something that's normal for me, I guess. And I've also been pointed out about like my celebration at the end, whether I make the lift or not, like I'll put my hands up like this. And a lot of people like, Oh, were you a gymnast? Like, that's what gymnasts do. I was like, Nope, I wasn't. My mom was. And that's what she always taught me to do. (laughs) But, um, I don't know where it came from, but it's just something I do. And it's just that habit that's just ingrained in my brain.
1: Do you do that even on your warm up sets, like put your arms out and get ready for the lift, same uh, same grip stuff like that.
0: I think when it's lower weight I don't do it is what I've noticed, but once it gets to like maybe 80% or more, that's when I notice that's when I like start like looking into myself, really focusing, honing in on what's going to happen and then it just like naturally happens.
1: Okay, that's interesting. It's my okay. way of
0: spacing out.
1: Yeah, it's good to, I mean, it's good to have a routine that you don't have to think about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I had a baseball, like that was, it was very important to have a routine every time you're hitting and I've mm-hmm. taken that into weightlifting. Someone asked me last week, like, do you ever have an issue with um, like setting up and, and kind of forgetting how you do it? Because I, I think sometimes people just grab the bar and like, don't even think about what they're doing. And I'm like, no, I can't. I can't not do the things that I do, like the way I grip the bar and the amount of times I tighten my thumbs. It's just, I have to do it. Even when I'm picking up the empty barbell, I do the same thing.
0: Yeah. And that's cool that, that, that habit carried over from, you said, baseball Mm -hmm. into weightlifting. So that's cool. It's just something that's ingrained in you from sport.
1: Yeah. I think the, the mental part is, um, something, I mean, you see it, you see people who are mentally struggling to get past a weight. I'm sure you've seen that with training partners Mm -hmm. and stuff. Have you ever gone through that where you're kind of at a, you're stuck at a certain weight for a long time and it's hard mentally to get past it?
0: Yeah. That's (laughs) been like my last year trying to hit 90 again. I hit 91 on snatch, um, literally the weekend before finals of 2021. And I have not been able to hit it since. And it's been so frustrating, but it's like that with snatch, it's that minute little thing, the one little thing in your technique that just throws it all off.
1: So what do you do? Obviously you haven't got past that barrier, but what do you, what do you do to uh, when you are in that rut? Like, is there anything you think about or, or visualize trying to make the lift a little bit more successfully?
0: So I talk with my coach, Andy, every time we've gotten it on the platform or in training and i've attempted it we we would just sit there and talk about okay like i noticed what i did wrong and most of the time it's because i rush it so really focusing on slowing down myself slowing down the initial lift is what i what i have to think about what i have to practice when it gets heavy
1: that's good yeah, I think everybody, you kind of, you need stuff to think about, but you also can't flood yourself. Like mm-hmm. think about slowing yourself down is a good cue because it's not like, oh, hips up and bar back and knees out. It's like too many things to think about.
0: Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be thinking about a lot when you're up on the platform about to attempt a PR lift. We
1: When you're on the platform, is it any different? Like are are you trying to clear your head or, or, or like what do you think about say you're taking your your last clean and jerk is there anything that's going through your head
0: probably what shouldn't be going through my head is I have to make this <laughs> <laughs> I have to make this you'll make it but you have to make it but um yeah I just I try to trust my technique I try to trust my strength know that I can hit it but I'm also like, I gotta get this. It's gotta happen. Okay. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're kind of, I mean, I think everything comes down to like the way that you phrase things and the way you look at yourself as a weightlifter. Mm-hmm. You can make that successful without hitting a certain number, or you mm-hmm. can make yourself unsuccessful kind of regardless.
0: Yeah. That's that was my mindset towards the past finals because I hit a to- total lower than what I've been trying to hit. And um, because I didn't hit numbers close to or past what I've done the last couple meets I did before that, it was the lesson of I'm still getting better, looking at technique wise, like, oh, I did that snatch a lot better at that weight than I did the last time I competed. Or I was just, I was very happy with the way things worked out in my performance overall. It wasn't about the number on the, on the bar.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very easy to say that too, but like to, to actually believe yourself Mm -hmm. when, when the number is not there because it's the sport is the total that you hit. That's the only thing that you're judged on. It's not how good your technique is. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I think that's good to hear though. Like, and I'm constantly trying to like portray that message that even, even the highest level athletes are still having that self doubt. They're still struggling with the, the mental part of lifting because I think we idolize these people who are really good mm-hmm. and who, you know, their, their technique always looks really sharp and they're always hitting these high totals, but yeah, every, everyone regardless of that top level or that person who's just getting on the platform locally for the first time we're all thinking the same thing mentally
0: oh 100% and that's the thing with social media is we're seeing the highlight reel we're not seeing the the breakdowns the one minute long cry sessions in between attempts that i have taken so it's you have you have to realize like you're not the only one who's also doubting yourself struggling and you're not alone
1: yeah I like that I think that's really good um thank you so much for coming on the podcast where can people find you if they want to keep following your lifting I know you might not be competing actively right now but if people want to stay up to date with your training and stuff that's going on where can they follow you
0: um I am on instagram at musclebutt underscore and you can also find me playing on tiktok at musclebutt
1: okay Cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Hunter. This was really cool. Thank you so much. Absolutely.